So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Abuchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown, I've used LineDesk, I've used Conversion, and I think Follow-up Boss gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple, and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I'm coming to you for our special Best of July podcast interview. Right now I'm recording in my makeshift studio up in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You know, I think as most of you guys know, I haven't been doing all the interviews on the podcast over the past few months is my daughter has been fighting this crazy thing called CRPS. You know, if you haven't heard of it, uh, you should go look it up. We're trying to bring some awareness to it. It is this crazy, crazy pain uh, condition. And it just so happens that the best place in the world for her to get treated is in this little uh, small town called Fayetteville, Arkansas. So also listeners, if you're some of the people in Fayetteville, Arkansas or Bentonville, Arkansas, there's a big real estate community up here. Reach out to me. Maybe we can go get coffee, go go to lunch, um, go get to talk about your business. The real estate market up here is absolutely 
crazy, you know, and wherever you are in the world, as you listen to this, you know, July is over, seventh month of the year is over. We're coming into August and the real estate market is really, really wild, really, really funky. You know, over the last month, we've seen inventory double in a lot of different states and a lot of different cities. Agents are asking me, hey, what does this mean? You know, so many agents have only been agents in the past 10 years. It's been going up that whole time and they're and they're not quite sure. You know, these are a lot of the discussions that we're having with experts on the show, the discussions that I'm having on social media and, and you know, in just some other places out there as we try to dig into the data. You know, and every market is different, but I would encourage you now more than ever to do your research and also to really sharpen your skill set. You know, as the market gets tougher, you know, it gets tougher. It's gonna to be tougher to sell a home. We just dropped prices on a lot of different houses. You know, believe it or not, you know, two, three or four years ago, it was totally normal for a house to sit on the market for three or four months before it got an offer. That is a much different mindset, you know, as we go into these different things. And, you know, I have a lot of predictions that I've been sharing out there. You know, I'll, I will do a state of the market this month where I get to talk about some of them and what I think is going to happen in your local markets for different pricing and things like that. But what I can tell you now is just keep on researching and keep on going. Because six months from now, a lot of people that are real estate agents won't be anymore. And if you're the ones that are out there working hard, you're the ones listening to the podcast, you're the ones trying to educate yourself on what's next, you are going to be the ones that survive and really excel in this market. You know, you guys know a lot of my history. I got really big into real estate back in 07, 08, 09. I saw the housing building boom and I saw the crash and we did really, really well during the crash and every month, home prices sold for less and less and less. And there are successful agents out there that can do well in these weird, funky markets. So we're gonna be trying to bring that to you. So uh, without further ado though, this is the best of July episode where we give you a few minutes of each of the podcasts we had in July. So you can figure out if there's any you wanna go back and listen to. Here, first up, here's episode 1061 with guest host, Stephanie Brackett, one of our coaches that we're, she's gonna be one of the coaches of our new coaching program. And here's her interview with Zach Otten. I think sometimes we forget that the, the best client is our current client or, or the people that already know and trust us, as opposed to always trying to search for that, that next person down the line um, to, to you know, get the next transaction. So although all that to be said, it's not to downplay any of the other things that, that uh, you know, agents do to get business. It's just uh, for me, is I've just found that being present and being great at customer service for the clients you currently have will will generate you business down the line um, tenfold of probably what you'll get by always trying to find the the online leads or or paying for all that um, marketing and those type of things that maybe your ROI isn't as as good as just being present for your current current clients. That's great advice. Often we find that you know, people are trying to chase the next best thing and the next best thing and the next best thing or implementing this new system or this new process. And they forget that just by providing the Nordstrom experience or the Disneyland experience or the Ritz-Carlton experience for their clients, that alone will increase the business far more than, oh, I'm going to start sending out 33 emails a year to ping on them. Just love on the clients that you have and they'll come back and they'll do, they'll do you do, do good by you by yeah. providing you. That was a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and honestly, I've been the one I've been like, that's another thing is like, again, kind of like we were chatting a little bit before we started is 
Uh, you know, we all come on here and we want to make ourselves sound good. Cause I mean, obviously that's, you know, that that's part that's of cool. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think, you know, I, I'm a good agent and, and, and do well for my clients, but it's also, we we're human and we, I've chased the carrot on the stick a billion times. Like always, Oh, you know, you fall for the, Oh, this, this you can get me clients by running these perfect Facebook ads. And, you know, then you end up calling people all day that, you know, 90% of them want to rent and don't even know what you're calling them for. And, you know, I've done all those things. And, and I think I've always just come back to just treat your current clients well, and it will, it will come. So it'll happen hundred yeah. percent. You never walk out of a store, you know, when you're shopping, you never just walk out of a store when someone's treating you really, really well, you're there with them and you may not buy anything from them, but you'll certainly recommend them to 80 million other people that want to buy something from them. A hundred percent. Okay, if you liked that one, that was episode 1061, How to Succeed as a Reserve Real Estate Agent with Stephanie Brackett interviewing Zach Otten. Next up, episode 1062, How to Track and Use Real Estate Data with Sean Anderson and John Parker. She, they, they were interviewed by Stephanie Brackett. Here's a few minutes of that one. There's a, there's a presentation I talk about called Business Intelligence in the Real World. And there's examples of it all around us. We, we, we use you know, even simple things like our watch or now the fancy, you know, Apple watch or whatever it is. But one of the most common is just your car dashboard. There's a whole bunch of gauges in there and there's a whole bunch of information that's radiating at you as the driver. And you have a choice as a driver to do something with the information. And at first glance, um, you know, you take a look at it and the fuel tanks at, you know, a quarter. The, The first question I always ask when I give the presentation is like, do I have enough fuel? And everybody looks around and goes, well, it depends on where you want to go. And that's kind of the point is data will radiate information back to you. It will display it to you, but you have to combine that with what are your goals and what are your targets and what are you trying to achieve? And then you use that data to make those decisions. If I'm about to hit the freeway, I might want to fill up with fuel before I head to Salt Lake. Or if I'm just going to Rigby, I can do that trip 20 times with a quarter tank of gas. And so that's a good example. And then as cars have gotten more advanced, especially nowadays, most, most cars have some form of digital uh, you know, dashboard and information center and things like that. The cars get better. The data gets better. It starts to tell you things. Um, I, have a favorite, I have a favorite YouTube video that shows a mom getting in the car and uh, you know, the, the service engine light comes on and she's got kids screaming around her and, and uh, she reaches down and puts a, puts a monkey sticker over top of the service light. And that's like her action for the warning that the car's trying to give her. Um, and, and it's really good information because the system is trying to warn you. The system is trying to tell you. And that's the type of data systems you should build in, in your business is you should build data systems that radiate appropriate information back so that you can make the appropriate decisions on where you're going. One of the, th- one of the metrics that Market Watch, which is another product that we have, I'll make a plug for that, but it actually tells you every year over the past 10 years, what's the average number of transactions available in the market per agent. And so in it, it, that was like two around 07, because for, from 03 to 07, the market was amazing, which attracts, which attracts agents to what's a good metaphor without swearing, like flies to like bees, flies bees to honey. Let's bees try to bees to honey. That's the one. It attracts agents like bees to honey. So the agent count expands much higher than the transaction count. And pretty soon the average number of transactions available per agent 
And, and of course, we don't we don't work with average on this team and we're not average. So we don't look at that number, but it still just gives you a general summary. And then as the market started um, straining agents heavily, that got up to seven or eight on average per agent um, in probably 12, not 12 or 13, which Gary Keller always talks about. That's the best time to get rich in real estate is just on the heels of a crash because it takes a couple of years for the flies to start to flock. I mean, the bees to start to flock towards the honey. And so when the transactions shoot up, but the agents aren't there yet, that's when you make a lot of money. Well, my point is back then there were 400 agents in this county. Right now there are 1,300 and the sales haven't changed proportionally. So it is, if you don't look at that, and I, I, I love this conversation because if you're ownership minded, which that's another core value of ours, then you, you don't make excuses. Like you have to own everything, but that doesn't mean you can't look at facts. Like it's it's a fact that there are three times as many agents as there as there were. An ex, what an excuse is is when you share a fact as a justification for a result, rather than share a fact as an attempt to understand what needs to be done to fix it. All right. If you want to hear the, more from those guys about how to track and use real estate data with Sean Anderson, John Parker, go listen to the rest of episode 1062. Next up, episode 1063, how one brokerage doubled its volume three years in a row. We're interviewing Ryan Rodenbeck. We're telling our agents, you know, it, it's going to, it's time for us to work now as a seller's agent. We've had it very easy as listing agents. Put it on the market, it sells. Put it on the market, it sells. Right, right. You have to be very aggressive. Not aggressive. You just have to be very thoughtful with your price point. Okay. You can't just go off of a the comp from two months ago when, when things were, you know, interest rates were four and a half percent. Right. right. Um, and, and you have to be armed with, information when you're with those sellers like we have a a, a printout of the national average of of um, home out home selling average for the past three or four years and then what the interest rates were and what the price of the mortgage are with those interest right. rates the affordability well, basically it's talking about exactly affordability yeah a three hundred and sixty thousand dollar home costs seven hundred dollars more a month now than it did um you know in two thousand 19 when interest rates were like 3%. Okay. So it's a big deal to people. It's it a, big a big deal. deal. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, being able to show that to, to sellers uh, as needed is, is going to help you. And then also, like I said, being able to walk away when that, that seller is still unreasonable because if they're that unreasonable and someone else takes it, you know, sometimes it's better to be the second listing agent. <laughs> exactly. All right. So what advice would you give to agents that would help them survive any sort of a market and actually thrive in the market? What's your advice to agents to thrive regardless of what the market's doing? Because you can make money, right? We know we can make money in any real estate market. There's money yeah. to be made. Yeah. Um, I think really being informed, like um, really, really informed about what the market's doing so that you can um, and, you know, talk, have talking points. The other thing that, that, that we, we try to teach our agents is, is be a, a resource for your clients and your potential clients. You know, we put agents through a YouTube curriculum, a reels curriculum, um, and we try to teach them to, um, not put like very, the stuff that we're telling them to put on social media is stuff that's educational. So if you're educated, okay. And then you're constantly educating any potential audience that you have. I think that's going to help you survive the, the, the ebbs and flows of real estate, right? Like make sure you have a monthly newsletter. 
that you go, goes out. Make sure that you're educating people in that newsletter. We 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 suggest people put in a uh, a video uh, of like our, our, our we do a monthly newsletter for the agents where it has like the snapshots. But like right. we say, put it put in a video. It's like here's what I'm seeing. You know, you want to be the source of everything real estate news to your clients. So the more time you can put in, the more p- time people will appreciate you um, and will will think about you. You don't want them to think about someone else when it's time to buy or sell. So if you're constantly living the life of being an educator in an influencer fashion, then without without the ego, without like, oh, how many homes did I sold? But like, here's what we're seeing. I think, you know, education attracts people to you. So um, be that resource. I love that. Be an educator in an influencer fashion. Yeah. That's what people want, right? They want information. Everybody wants to know what's happening in the real estate industry. That that topic has never been boring to anybody never. ever. They always want to know, is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? What are interest rates doing? Where can I invest? Everybody always wants to know that. So if you can provide that information and that value, eventually they're yep. going to see you as the person to come back and be like, hey, by the way, I'm ready now. Right, which which it's a commitment on our part. Like we have to be invested in what's going on in the market every single day, every single week. Even if you're not like I've know agents that, that aren't that that are fairly new in our company that are just investing in figuring out what's going on in the market and then putting it out there. Even though they may not be the the most you know highest salesperson, they're doing a great job of of absorbing. And then I you know the number number one thing in real estate, number one thing in business is work ethic. Say that one more time. The number one factor for success in real estate, probably any business, is work ethic. You have to show up every day. Yep. You got to treat yep. it like a business. It's not, yep. uh, you know, when, when on the team that I was on for many, many years, when, when we were interviewing, I didn't want people that said, well, I got my real estate license so I could enjoy my free time. Yeah. That it, if you work hard enough, yes, that is the end result. But there's a lot it's, of hard work yeah. that goes yeah, in. Yeah, that free time. It's more flexible than free. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's no free time. Like your phone's yeah. ringing 24 7. Right. So I get it. That is 100% true. You have to have the work ethic. You have to be willing to put in the work and yep. grit. They have to have grit. Like yep. you're going to get told no a lot. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. And if you liked that one and you want to go hear the rest of that, go back and listen to the rest of episode 1063, how one brokerage doubled its volume in three years in a row. Ryan Rodenbeck. Next up, episode 1064, we had special guest host Caleb Spears interviewing Philip Salem. It was opting for authenticity, quadrupled this broker's business. Episode 1064. Here's a few minutes of that one. When people see somebody like me who is an out queer person, they're like, I could be that and be myself and not adhere to these normatives that people tell me how real estate agents should act and should look. So I really just started believing in, in, in myself and becoming who, who I truly am and not listening to all the noise and the BS that we hear, not only from agents, but from also clients. Cause a lot of clients, you know, or potential clients will look at me and be like, I don't want to work with him. He's, he's, he, he's weird looking or he's queer. Like, why is he wearing these long, big hoop earrings? Ex- again, an example. But I'm not going to change because even if somebody has a $10 million budget, I will not work with them if they, if they, don't, like, if, if they don't appreciate my true authentic self. 
I've lost clients over it. I have lost clients who might look at me or, or see me and be like, you know, I, I can't take him seriously because he's wearing shorts. It, 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 it's just so funny. I would rather show up chic and sexy to a listing than sweaty and gross. You know what I mean? Especially in the 100 degree weather in New York, it could be 100 degrees. I am not going to show up in pants and a suit and tie. I, I'm going to be where I'm going to be showing up as me. And that is the same Philip that you'll meet at dinner, the same Philip that you'll meet at, at, at a party, the same Philip that you will meet in a $10 million listing. During that transition of like just stepping into your own, did that catapult your business or did you see it grow or did you see any pushback and you had to overcome it? I mean, I'm just curious on how that affected your sales. I, I was lucky enough where once I started believing in myself and started being true to myself, my business quadrupled. Wow. So I started to go along with that. I started really doing a lot of marketing and authentic marketing behind that. So what people were telling me to do in marketing, I stopped doing it. And I started doing what I wanted to do. I started doing a lot more video. I started doing ads all down Chelsea, me in a hot pink latex ensemble with pink hair. And the hashtag was not your basic broker. I was doing mailers to people in that same outfit and sending that hashtag, not your basic broker, uh, scan this QR code and it'll take them to a video of me introducing myself and not just selling myself, but basically telling them I'm Philip Salem. I love dogs. I'm a huge animal advocate. I also love Mariah Carey. And I would also love to sell your apartment because real estate is all about a relationship. People want to know who you are. If, if I was like, Hey, I'm Philip and I love numbers and I love, learning about, you know, I don't know, sports. That's not me. You know what I mean? And I guess people might say, well, you need to know about this stuff to, to be successful with this type of client. Not me. I will be myself and I will market myself with more innovative and more fashionable marketing to get clients who get me and I get them, you know? Yep. I, I see so much marketing that I've done that have been a bit more authentic than what people have told me to do in the past. And it's funny because I think we determine success differently. Maybe the year, maybe in 2023, I might not do 45 million. I might do 10 or 20 and that's okay. You know, as long as I determine success by being who I am and, you know, continuing to do the best that I can, that's what matters in the end, you know, but hopefully... I continue this trajectory upwards, but if not, it's okay. And all we do in the end is we do our best. All right. If you like that one and you want to go hear the rest of Caleb's interview with Philip, go listen to the rest of episode 1064. Next up, here's a few minutes of episode 1065. This was guest host Caleb Spears interviewing agent Matt Holm in Austin, Texas, where I live. How will Tesla impact the future of Austin real estate, according to Matt Holm? Here's a few minutes of that one. When we came out and met you a few weeks ago in Austin, we were given not a ton of background on you. It was just like, yeah, he's a top compass guy. He's plugged into Tesla. And we we're like, all right, cool. We walk into your office. You've got the, the Tesla flamethrower. You've got, yeah, I know. You've got the model of the, the truck behind you there. You've got the decanter that, I mean, like you can't buy these things. They're, they're only for people that are on the inside that Tesla's like, hey, you're a friend. We're going to give you cool stuff. Um, so you are, you're definitely the go-to for a lot of different things in Austin. 
um, the gigafactory that you took us by was insane. I couldn't see the end of the building. Like the things that Tesla is doing in Austin is just mind boggling right now. Amazing. I mean, that thing is almost a mile long, uh, almost a quarter mile wide. It takes a minute to drive by it at, you know, 70 miles an hour on the freeway, 75. It's 11 million square feet. It, the footprint's 4 million, but it's 80, 80 feet tall in many, many places. And the HVAC space is 11 million square feet. He got it built in 18 months. Elon joked that if he was still in California, he'd still be in permitting. And in the meantime, they're pumping out batteries and Model Ys out of that thing already two years later. So it's uh, it's incredible to see. And, and from what I'm hearing, that's phase one. Um, that they've got roughly 5,000 people there now at full capacity. I'm hearing 28,000. Um, and so it's going to be the biggest employer in central Texas. I think the, uh, the effect that Bezos had in Seattle will, will be dwarfed by what Elon does to, to, uh, the future of Austin. So there's a lot of industry coming here besides Elon, but that story is going to be the most robust part of the story of Austin over the next decade. Where do you feel like, from a macro perspective, the real estate market is going to head over the next few years with interest rates climbing, et cetera? I mean, obviously, not, not every place in the U.S. can be as insulated, and not everybody has an Elon coming to, <laughs> coming to save us. Where do, you feel like, uh, where do you feel like the rest of the market is going to head? Well, so I do think we're going to, they're, they're achieving the goal of tamping down inflation. I think by the time they raise rates into the sevens, I think it's really going to dampen things down. Um, and so even here, I mean, right, we're seeing some negotiation possible in what was been a two-year solid seller's market. And that's a good thing. I don't think it's unhealthy to uh, to kind of slow down. You can't have 35% appreciation every year. Uh, just not going to make sense. And so there is a window of time when you can buy something. I just hate the rates. So for the first time in 14 years, I'm actually recommending interest only and 5-1 arms to clients. And what I'm theorizing, and I'm, and I'm using this um, from data from economists and lenders I know and people who are smarter than me in the loan stuff. And what they're saying is rates are going to go up. It's going to slow things down. It doesn't help with the supply issue. Um, still, it's just artificially holding them down for now. Once they feel like they've cooled it, if they overcool it, then we enter a recessionary period, in which case they take the hammer off of the interest rates. And maybe that happens in a year. Maybe it happens in six months. Maybe it happens in two years. But if you've got a 5-1 arm that's at a 35 or 4% rate instead of 7%, at that point, you refinance into a 30-year fixed, but you've bought at a point when in the middle of what's going to be a pretty robust upcycle, you've gotten in at a, at a window we've got here, I think, summer 2022, when you can actually get a deal. Um, those houses I was telling you about near Elon's um, uh, factory, brand new houses in the five fifty dollars to $600,000 range. Um, and I think once you add 30,000 people five minutes away from these houses, your rents will end up probably doubling in the next 18 months to two years, just based on the sheer volume of humans moving there and how much more affordable being close by the factory on the east side is compared to another 10 minutes closer into downtown where rents are, you know, astronomical. All right. And if you want to go listen to that, to the rest of that episode with Matt Holm, one of Austin's top 10 realtors for the last four years in a row, go listen to the rest of episode 1065. Next up, episode 1066, uh, interviewed by special guest host, Stephanie Brackett, where she is called betting on the real estate industry with Ryan Finch. They can't be indecisive over and over and over again because a result is going to come like they're, they're and that that honestly, if they don't take anything away from that is 
we're in a state right now where everything is a little wonky. It feels wonky. So everyone's almost paralyzing themselves, either whether it's in their mindset or whether in their decision-making. And I was thinking about this today. Um, uh, it's like a poker game. If you're playing poker and it comes around to you, you have three options. You can check, you can bet, or you can fold, right? And that's it. That's what everyone's doing every day. And they're still hitting check. People are like, check, check, check. Well, eventually a year is going to go by and you can only check so long. Some people are betting. Meta is betting. They're betting on this virtual thing and you can see it. There's other companies we don't even know today are betting on something that they see in the future we can't. So if you look back at like the big short, right? Everybody kind of knows, oh, we bet on these securities and people think that's what's going to go. So they're going to bet on that again today. And like, no, that's not going to be. So again, you can check, but that guy bet. And now we hear the news about him. He Now he gets to speak into this economy because he bet on that, right? And so I want to be the one that bets. I want to be able to go look at the market, figure it out, bet. I can't afford to check and just let it all run out and dry out. I'm not willing to do it. And folding is not an option. I mean, you're, we're taking this thing all right. the way through to the end. And so, you know, that that's what we're going to do, but only because you can't win if you fold. If you fold, there is no chance. Whatever you have in is done. And if that becomes in your heart, and I know that we're talking, obviously they're completely different when you're talking about a game and, and real life. And folding's not, if folding becomes not an option, then your brain psychologically has to go into solving a problem. There's a line from uh, Moneyball. You ever seen the movie Moneyball? Oh, yeah. Yep. I was just hey, thinking about that when you were. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So he says, if your opponent is making a mistake, don't interrupt them. Don't interrupt them. Let them keep going and firing these executives. Let them fire their recruiters. Let them go stop their marketing. And you know what you got to do? You got to bet. You got to bet. And so for me, because we've gone through this, because I've gone and done the research of all these other things that have gone on, I'm all in. I mean, I'm going after it. We're going to double down on marketing. We're going to double down on executives. We're going to go after it over and over. We're going to go down on leadership. We're going to go down, double down on vision. We're going to double down on training. We're going to go get every lead source that there is. We're going to move to the mortgage and the title stuff coming in. And we're just going after, we're not slowing down. We're hiring and growing and adding because this industry is going to keep taking off. I mean, that it, if it's set up right in the model, it's, and the wrong model is going to keep tankering down and they're going to have to cut bait to stay profitable or those business people are going to have to make a decision. Do I keep these people on out of loyalty and hope it goes back or do I stay in the profit because it's impacting five other people that get paid on that profit, right? Or whatever it is. So there will be pressure on boards and different things like that. So I don't know if that was too high level of, of thought or if that's kind of what you were thinking. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a good, the money can be made in any market. We know that. Right. 2011, 2012, a lot of people made a lot of money in the crappiest market that there was because they bought real estate. Yeah, They went and bought real estate. So if you're smart and you have the data and you bet on yourself, you can make money in any market regardless of what's going on. Okay. And if you like that episode, uh, go listen to the rest of episode 1066, Betting on the Real Estate Industry with Ryan Finch. All right, next up, here's a few minutes of episode 1067. Stephanie Brackett interviewing Jessica Larson, the short-term rental real estate niche with Jessica Larson. Here's a few minutes of that one. So in a lot of uh, long-established leisure communities like mine, there are some social norms. So for example, most bookings in our high season, July and August, have a seven-day minimum. Okay. What I quickly discovered and thought was so bizarre and that there had to be a way to overcome this was how many agencies close their houses down. The owners just September gets here and boop, they're done. And the houses are closed. 
And it's unbelievable because there is this opportunity for shoulder rentals and many offices will dabble. They'll go, okay, let's do a five day minimum or let's do a three day minimum. Um, And last year, one out of every five stays on Airbnb, according to their CEO, was over 30 days. Oh, wow. And I saw that in my in my booking. So my rentals aren't necessarily going every three days in the winter, okay. but we might have somebody come stay for the month of October and then the month of November. Um, and so we have pretty consistently achieved 85 to 90 percent occupancy. We really let the market do its business. And yeah. in terms of the biggest thing I've learned in the first year is not to make too many promises because the market is the market and I am their advocate. We are going to do the best for them. We're going to give them an idea of how frequently we think it will rent with a number of tools, a whole revenue forecast. They have to trust that process. And some of that is dynamic pricing. Um, And so we let the market determine how these houses are going to be filled but they do fill. If you price them properly, they will fill. Interesting. So this concept Interesting. that houses were just closing was making me crazy because <laughs> it's like money like, left on the you table. Could be and, money. And you could like, be making money. You could be making money. Let me rent it. You know, and that's sort yeah. of where the conversation started. And it went from there. And it is, it's great for the owners. It's honestly great for the cleaners. What started for us was how do we keep our staff on all year round? Busy. In yeah. Seasonal community. Interesting. That's really awesome. How do you keep yourself organized? As you're doing all of these things, you're running two different businesses, basically a cleaning business and a short-term rental business, two separate but combined businesses. How do you keep yourself on track? So I am a wicked time blocker. Uh, You know, my favorite app is my calendar app. Every day I brain dump all of the things I need to do and I check them off and I time block them. Um, And that is really pretty much the key to success. Long ago, when I got into real estate, one of the old birds in the office said, never take anything home with you, clear your desk every day. And he was totally right. I mean, just because little itty bitty things in real estate will eat at you the next day, because it just sort of aggregates and gets stressful. So for me, I like a clean to-do list at the beginning of the day. I like to know exactly where I'm going to do everything and check it off as I go. Um, and, and don't let anything get away from me. If it, if it's scary to do, I do it first. I love that. Yep. You got to, I read a book once that talks about, um, you have red zones, yellow zones and green zones and your green zones are when your mind is like fresh and alive. And that's when you need to do the hard things because your mind can actually do it. And if you try and do one of the hard things in a red zone, your brain just shuts down. (laughs) It can't do it. You don't want to be processing, like creating an Excel spreadsheet with a bunch of different calculations at four o'clock in the afternoon when you haven't eaten and you just sat on a three-hour meeting in your mush. So yeah. time blocking is the key. Totally the key. All right. If you want to go hear the rest of that one, that is episode 1067, Stephanie Brackett interviewing Jessica Larson. And that's a wrap. That is the best of July. Real estate rock stars, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You know, keep, like I said at the very beginning of this one, watch your market, keep an eye on the stats, keep an eye on the data, listen to the podcast, educate yourself, and be ready for a whirlwind of a finish of the year here in real estate where things go a lot slower. There's a lot less transactions. People are gonna have to work a lot harder and get a lot more creative to get these deals closing. And uh, stay tuned for State of the Market soon. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars, 
This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you like, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.